everybody you just stepped inside of psychotic bump school the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul my name is dj rome and i want to welcome you to another exciting edition of psychotic bump school so ladies and gentlemen tonight we have an amazingly full show uh, we got about four people coming through the school tonight so check out this lineup we're gonna have uh returning from the mental health army we're gonna have casey phillips brown who's a licensed clinical social worker as well as marriage and family therapist kyra christian and we're going to be talking about the relationship rates as a product of the recent time magazine article that depicted some numbers about the state of relationships in this country right now there are more men that are single than women what kind of implications does that hold for us, particularly in the black community? So Casey and Kyra are going to come back and have that conversation with us. We're also going to be joined by my good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. Jeffrey Keller, you guys know Mr. Keller, uh, the all-terrain brain, I like to call him. We're going to be talking about politics as well as, in particular, the Dave Chappelle special called The Closer. Uh, it's generated a lot of conversations about cancel culture and... Uh, being a fellow comedian, I thought it'd be wonderful to have Mr. Keller commenting on the Chappelle phenomenon happening in the past week. And of course, we talk about the week in politics. And rounding out our evening, we're going to have the good brother, Mr. Hannibal Taboo. Okay. Hannibal Taboo, of course, is an award winning comic book creator. Okay. Two comics tonight. Okay. But two different types of comics. Uh, Hannibal Taboo is a comic book creator. And we're going to be talking about the world of DC Comics in particular. We're going to be talking about the latest iteration of Superman, uh, John Kent, who comes out as bisexual. That's right. And the conversations that have stirred online. Uh, is this a Kryptonian crisis or much ado about nothing? We break it all down with Mr. Hannibal Taboo, and we have a wonderful conversation about that. So uh, that's going to be our lineup. And uh, you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer because we are about to set it off. So this is KCWGTheTruth.com. My name is DJ Rome. Welcome to Psychotic Bump School. Stay tuned for more. We're gonna kick off our show with Mr. Jeffrey Keller after this. Yeah, this is Jeff Keller from the Pocho Hour Power on KPFK 90.7 FM. And you're listening to the Psychotic Bump School with your host DJ Rome on KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. Oh yeah. NYC gave you the bomb. So how you gonna hate us? We creators of the East Coast songs. If you ask me, I tell you there's no comp, but I'm still humble even though I will crumble hard. Some call them songs, I call them words from me. They take long to cook. So some feel free and saying that we don't hunger for beats. Not that we not hungry, just picky in what we eat. Keep food off the mind and keep weight off the body. All you gotta do is keep my name out your mouth and stop frowning like you hostile. You know that it's a booger rubbing up against a nostril, nigga. How you figure you can play this rap game without the backbone? It's Macy O'Day, wonder why I give it what you like. Hey, yo, prepare yourself for the neutron, bitch. This is 86, let that Neo rap go. We present these flares to put fire to your ears till they smoke like rusty exhaust pipes. We run mics, let Sean run the marathon. You raise that money, son, we raising these kids. Get claps, curtains, clothes, stage left. Up your stamina, baby, brace your breath. S.A. 
Book smart, part of say Lokin like tone. Street niggas get gone. Acquire more goof before you get goof. I get some shells sent over to your mic booth. Excuse my delivery. But when peace don't work, see this peace gon' work. Cock aim and shoot. It's the constitutional right to bear arms. Arms and bare hands on mics. Make fans unite. Woodstock and white folks involved. Black man, get on your jaw. Okay, we are back. KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bum School. I'm DJ Rome on just another day in paradise. So I always have these all-terrain conversations. And when I think about having these all-terrain brain kind of conversations, there's only one person and one person only that comes to mind to have such a conversation with. Y'all know this cat, man. Come on, man. This brother's been here multiple times. He's the co-host of one of the longest standing afternoon radio shows in Southern California. He's a comedian. He's an athlete, formerly with the Atlanta Falcons. The good brother does it all. He's an actor. He's a comedian. He's a writer. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good brother, the laid back, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. Mr. Keller, are you back? Oh, my God. That was amazing, <laughs> Rome. Who was you talking about? <laughs> Who just came in the room? Who knew? What's going on, good brother? How you feeling? I'm feeling great, man. Life is good. Yeah, Dodgers man. In the playoffs, you know, they in the playoffs great. again, man. Despite a check swing, who did who paid off that ump at the first base uh, uh, to to make that call, man? That 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 dude didn't swing. What happened, man? And I'm a Dodger right, fan. Right. Look, first of all, first of all, I was at the game. Oh, snap. when rough, when rough check swing, and it was a strike, and they call it a ball, and Ooh. that would have that would have ended the game. Okay. And the Dodgers would have been in first place and would have had to play on the road all these other games. Uh, and so that would have never happened. So to me, that's just just desserts. Just desserts. Yep. A lot of people feel that way, man. And hey, they I mean, it was two to one. So it must have been a pitcher's duel and nobody could really uh, too often get beyond second base. It sounds like uh, if the score was that low. Yeah, and, and Scherzer, he wasn't going to hit Scherzer. Even if they would have called the ball, he'd have struck out the next pitcher, too. The guy was 0 for 17. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Well, you never know, man. I mean, a puncher's chance is a puncher's chance. I mean, I don't know what his home run record was, but that's why people gave Deontay Wilder the chance against uh, the Gypsy King last week. Did you happen to see any highlights of the uh, Tyson Fury and uh, Deontay Wilder fight? They gave Deontay Wilder a puncher's chance, and I would have talked about it last week, but I knew going in, puncher's chance means they don't have a chance. I'm sorry. I mean, when's the last time, Jeffrey Kelly, you heard of somebody that had a puncher's chance and actually landed the punch? Uh, Mike Weaver. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Big John Tate. Come oh, on, my man. God. Wow, that was like from 1980. I can't believe I pulled that out right now. You pulled that out, man, and I'm surprised I knew about it. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, Jeffrey Keller is talking about former heavyweight champ Mike Weaver. He had like a 
a 16 and 8 record and Big John Tate was the the Olympic medalist or something like that yeah, high prospect was. and I think they were fighting for a vacant title and John Tate was whipping them up yeah and that's when they were fighting 15 rounds and then his corner and between round 14 and 15 ladies and gentlemen dude told Mike Weaver's like look win or don't come back <laughs> yeah because he's from Pomona yeah no choice oh snap man <laughs> That cat went out there and got John Tate against the ropes, drew back a Rocky Balboa left hook. Boom. Lights out. Man, I, I got a great, I got a great Mike Weaver story. Oh, snap. So Mike, I, I was, Mike Hercules I, Weaver. Yeah, I was playing at the LA Express in the USFL. And uh, I was at this at this club called the Gas Gas Lad, I think it was called. And oh, Mike yeah. Weaver was there. Okay. And I was there with a guy named uh, Durant, who actually ended up playing with the 49ers, won a couple of Super Bowls. Mm. And he's an offensive lineman, weighing about 300. Okay. And so I go up to Weaver. I said, hey, let's play this uh, goof on, on Durant. I said, I won't tell him that. I won't I pay $500. I got $500 on Durant. And if, if he knocks out Weaver in the parking lot, mm. I, get, I get 500. Uh-oh. And, and you're down with it. And we would say, okay, I'll do that. So I walk uh-huh. over to Durant, and I'm like, hey, Durant, man, I got 500 on you against Weaver in the parking lot. Let's go. He's like, man, why Why you want to do that, man? And then Weaver was looking at Durant like, I'm going to jack you up. <laughs> I'm going to jack you up. like, come on, we going outside. I'm going, come on, Weaver. Come on, man, you got I said, I mean, come on, Durant, you got this. He's like, man, you better go talk to him, tell him you were just playing. <laughs> right? Man, that's hilarious, dude. Mike Weaver used to be called Hercules. They called him yeah, Hercules he's... for a reason, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's ripped. He's he was ripped. He was yeah. ripped. And he could punch. And yeah. he fought Larry Holmes. And uh, I mean, I don't think he, he, well, I know he didn't win that fight. But no. the fact that he became champion was an uh, unlikely uh, underdog story because, yes, he was a good fighter. But they only gave him a puncher's chance. And so my point with that is that, yeah, Jeffrey Keller had just happened to name the one anomaly that <laughs> did work. <laughs> that was the one time when the guy did land a punch. But the reason why it's so hard to win when you have only a puncher's chance is because usually that means you're going up against a superior fighter with superior skills. And that's exactly what Deontay Wilder was facing. It's not that he's a, not a talented fighter in his own right. But the Gypsy King Tyson Fury, ladies and gentlemen, he's so big. He got weighed him by about 50 pounds, can carry the weight. He's got a dad body. But, and, and you, you saw, Jeff, Deontay's ripped. You know? I, I know, but he looked tired all the time. He After was winded. Fun, he always looks winded every time he fights. He looked yes. like he's ready to fall down every yeah. round. But against Tyson Fury, though, because he's so big, he didn't he don't look like that when he fought like Luis Ortiz or um, Dominic Brazil. Well, he knocked him out with one punch. But uh, some of those knocked out like when he won the fight against. Uh, oh, who I can't. Uh, it'll come to me in a second. But whoever. Uh, oh, man, I hate when I can't remember a name, but the guy he beat for the title and he knocked him out in the rematch in the first round. But he didn't get winded against those guys because they're smaller than him. Uh, with Tyson Fury, he's punching up. The guy is big. You can't hurt him. You can get him. You can hit him. He knocked him down twice, Jeffrey Keller. But yeah, but the fights go longer. The fights go longer. What do you mean? They don't fight fifteen well, rounds anymore. 
No, what I'm saying is usually his fights are over in two, three, four. Oh rounds. yes, 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 yes. You know when he fights Fury, they they go longer. They go longer. He, yes. Yeah, and he actually tried to jab this fight, which was what was pretty good. It was, it was. I looked at the first couple of rounds. And I was like, man, he's landing some jabs to the body, and uh, it was kind of effective. But see, that's the thing. It's it it was doomed not to last. And see, that's what's so deceptive about boxing you don't need muscle you need in this case the size was the difference because again tyson fury doesn't he's not a hercules and but because he's just naturally just a bigger entity makes him a bigger problem for somebody even as big and powerful as deontay water who's six foot five six seven in his own right but jeffrey keller tyson fury is six nine naturally he bulked up to 238 pounds deontay water doesn't naturally weigh 238 pounds he had to put on weight to get to that he normally fights in the 220s Tyson Fury is naturally about 280 <laughs> you can't overcome that and so and plus he has enough skills for his height to be a problem and the knockout punch that he landed Jeff was like it was like a roundhouse sweeping from the orbit and he he just got him it was a valiant fight don't get me wrong but to me the outcome was never in doubt for number one for the reasons that you said it's like he looked winded because dang tyson's so big and he was just leaning on him and pressing all that weight on him it was it was bound to wear him out but good fight yeah. though right wasn't it a good no, fight I, I enjoyed the fight i mean you know boom boom mancini's a friend of mine and boom boom was like ah. boom boom didn't give him a, a fighter's chance you know, uh, if you're if you're gonna beat the gypsy king you gotta do it with skill you do you can't be a puncher's chance. You got to have skill. You got to move I in agree. and out, move I around agree. the ring, shoot the jab combinations. Mm-hmm. You do those things. He's gonna be tired. Yep. And he 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 can't go fit. He can't go twelve with somebody doing that. Okay. So that that okay. So would Anthony Joshua be a tougher matchup for him or Usyk? Have you did you see Usyk beat? Joshua? I, I've seen. Yeah. I, I like to see Usyk uh, fight him. I think that would be an interesting fight because he he's like looks hungry. Like he yeah. looks like he wants it. Yeah, and he's a problem. He's awkward, left-handed. Yeah. It could be a problem, and um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, Joshua, they will make that fight eventually because that'll be the biggest fight in UK's history. You got two guys from UK going at it on the for the largest title in the world. Uh, it's going to generate some bucks, even though now Joshua's lost twice. Um, it won't have the same fervor as it did when they were both undefeated. But, you know, if you're fighting the best out there, you're not going to keep that. Oh, you know, somebody's O has got to go. But somebody's O has got to go. It's got to go. <laughs> it's got to go. But, you know, we'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens with your Dodgers. But my God, Mr. Keller, uh, I also was recently checking out uh, Dave Chappelle, uh, one of your stablemates in the world of comedy. Uh, He just released a Netflix series called The Closer. Good brother. As soon as it came out, there was a buzz about this. As soon as it came out, everything that people were saying was talking about he was going in on the LGBTQ community. And people felt like he had crossed the line, stepped on toes, and they were trying to cancel him. Cancel him. Not just his show, cancel him. And Dave eventually said, look, if this is what canceling is, I love it. Because I guess uh, he's just, at this point, taking it in stride, given that he walked away from that $50 million years ago and he got a $100 million deal now to do 
uh, what he's doing now. So Jeffrey Keller, I think you had a chance to check out uh, The Closer starring Dave Chappelle, fellow comedian to another comedian. What's the fervor about then? What, why are people so upset about it? Well, you know, the group with all those letters, mm -hmm. they don't like anybody talking about them in a negative light. Hmm. And they feel like it's going to cause people to beat folks up. Uh, you know, they just feel like the trans community is not getting the respect. And it was anti-trans. Mm -hmm. And Dave's point in the whole thing is what they miss is, look, we're all human beings. We all have issues that we're dealing with. Let's just let's just come together as people. Mm -hmm. And they miss they missed that whole point. Yeah. Yeah. And it was never illustrated more than uh, the final story that he told. I don't want to spoil it for the audience if they haven't seen it. But yeah, that is entirely his point. But what do you think about the fact that uh, you can get away th this notion anyway? That you can get away with saying just about anything about black people, even if you're black, but yet if you say something about uh, certain communities, in this case LGBTQ, that automatically you're ostracized and subject to being uh, scrutinized and possibly banned from your particular, um, I don't know, line of work for for you know uh, a to be determined length of time, depending on when people let you out of the uh, perpetual doghouse. So what about that? Is, is, is it safer? I mean, this is supposed to be a protected group, right? But yet you can say all these things. So he was saying, it sounds like he was saying, you could say all you want about black people. I mean, nobody has a problem with that because he even illustrated the baby, the rapper, the baby, as an example. You can say anything you want about black people, but you start talking about certain communities, it's a problem. Do you, do you agree with that? No, I do agree. I mean, you can shoot black people and not get canceled. Mm. Well, How crazy is that? But if you talk about, say, Jewish folks or you talk about the LGBTQWNA, uh, they they get offended. Mm -hmm. And they want to cancel you. And I'm like, well, hold up. I got to watch stuff on TV that offends black people. I got to watch white comedians offend black people. I got to watch Latino comedians offend black people. And nobody says, let's cancel. Mm. Mm -hmm. Nobody. Hey, nobody. You can, it's like you have free range to, to beat up, to shoot, to kick out of your store, to charge higher prices at your store to not even serve them in your restaurant. Those people don't get canceled. Mm. But you talk about these other groups, and they've made a point. He, and he said something. I mean, he said positive stuff about, about the, the yeah, uh, yeah. trans lesbian. You know, he says, look, you guys have made great, great progress in a yeah. short amount of time. Right. Uh, uh, we, we as black people wish we could do that. Yeah. Yeah. What, and, and he mentioned Stonewall. Like from back in the day, I mean, just the history of organizing. Uh, why do you think that is, Jeffrey Keller? Uh, what what is it with the perception that they have exceeded the the aspirational, you know, justice, uh, social justice achievements uh, in the LGBT community that the black community has yet to experience? What what do you attribute to that difference? Uh, you know, it, it was the last time you've been to Washington D.C. Well, never. When you go to Washington, D.C., they have a high uh, gay and lesbian 
population out there okay. that work for congressmen and senators and representatives. Hmm. And they have a strong coalition coalition that works with those with, with those folks. Hmm. And so that's how they get things passed. Oh, okay. We don't have that power. Mm. Right? Congressional Black Caucus. Again, we don't have that power. <laughs> I tried, folks. I tried, Black folks. <laughs> really? And, and they stick together. You know, that's the one thing that we really need to focus on as Black people is to stick together. Mm. Say that. But this is KCWG, the Truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. Uh, we're having a conversation with our good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. We're just breaking down the breakdown all the way down to its final compound. We've been talking about sports and politics and comedy with the Dave Chappelle special, The Closer. Uh, can't thank you enough for being here, Mr. Keller. Before I let you go, uh, you were just talking about abortion and what's been happening in Texas and uh, the fact that it's become this new state. But, but I would be remiss if I didn't at least... Uh, try to have another conversation about what's happening in Congress right now and Joe Biden's agenda. Uh, Kristen Sinema, Joe Manchin, not much has changed. But over the weekend, Joe Biden did propose, why don't you just shorten the length of terms of the bill so that you can bring the cost down? Because right now, uh, Manchin and Sinema, Sinema's in Arizona. She's not coming down and she's not being specific about what her specific objections are. Mr. Keller, the Biden agenda, today as we speak, uh, where's your level of optimism? Do we get this done? Are we getting the infrastructure bill? Are we getting the Build Back Better plan? Uh, will Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin come around and work with the voters that put Joe Biden in for a reason to get these things done? Jeffrey Keller, what are your thoughts this week? Well, you know what they're going to do. It's going to be the shell of the bill uh, that he wanted. You know, it's kind of like Obamacare, right? Mm -hmm. they, they just, you give up too much so you can say you got your bill passed mm -hmm. and that's it's, that's exactly what's going to happen if he wants to get it passed it's going to be you know a shell of the bill of what he wanted yeah and mm -hmm. mansion i mean they still got to pass voting rights too because now uh, texas is drawing battleground uh, maps they're going to be heavily gerrymandered i believe the democrats did the same in illinois uh if we don't get these things through, uh, fortunately for the Democrats, Trump is out there telling his voters, look, don't even bother to vote no more. Just don't vote. <laughs> because y'all need to just stand your ground and say, if y'all, if, if I didn't win in 2020, y'all just need to not go vote in 2022 or 2024. Trump is telling his voters that and they believe him. So uh, if Democrats are lucky, enough people will beat them. And the, the voting block on the Republican side will shrink uh, dramatically because they might need that to overcome the political gerrymandering that the Republicans are drawing right now. So we, the filibuster, we, we, I talked about that with you. You don't think they should get rid of the filibuster. And a lot of people feel like if he doesn't, they're not going to get voting rights, infrastructure or the Build Back Better plan. Have you changed your mind since the last time you were here about the filibuster? No, because then when they're in charge, and then then they want something passed, and then they can just pass it. We'll be mad, Kugo. I wish we had the filibuster. Mm. Um, so you know, we just got to figure out another strategy. That's what we really have need to do. Mm. You know, I'm not that all or other person. I'm like, let's figure out a strategy of getting it done. 
And that's, yeah. you know, and that's working with each other, trying to figure it out. Um, yeah. You know, that's where I'm at. I'm not, I, I, yeah. you know, I don't believe we get rid of stuff. We, you, there's other ways of getting stuff done. And the, the problem is this, we need to really focus on, on mental health because yeah, let's do. be real. The people in, in politics right now, they have mental health problems. hey that's why we're called the psychotic bone school show man we we could talk about this okay (laughs) i'm just saying i mean when i listen to these people like green marjorie green all these people talk i'm like i'm like you got mental health issues how are you Mm. how are you holding an office of power well i hear these guys these when i hear trump all these all these, how do all these people with mental health issues become in these positions of power? I, I don't understand. Yeah. yeah, pretty scary. And I'm telling you, man, I mean, for all of how John McCain was revered, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it started with him because he brought in Sarah Palin. Now, there was a different brand of Republican prior to Barack Obama running with uh, Joe Biden. And then John McCain countering that with picking Sarah Palin out of Alaska. And now they haven't been the same. You got the Tea Party after that and you got MAGA after that. And they were like, man, this isn't crazy enough. We Let's just go all the way with it because we having too much fun with this Sarah Palin. It started with Sarah Palin. My thought anyway. I lost you. To go people to read cards and do stuff like that to make decisions. I mean, Nancy, man, Nancy was she was she was out there. You know, Nancy Reagan was out there. She actually brought in used astrology to make decisions. People forget about that, don't they? Yes. Mm-hmm. And he and he Ronald was down with it. That's the craziness to me. <laughs> that's, that's the, wow. how crazy is that yeah that's pretty crazy but look at how long democratic presidents live man jimmy carter is still here rosalind carter they still together both of them are in their 90s they still here man bill clinton and his wife hillary they still here you know and i don't know man it's th- there's something to be said about the mental <laughs> the mental health of our politicians. <laughs> I mean, it is, man, because it's like, you know, they, they always call the libs the crazy party. And, right. you know, but, you know, they have marriages that endure to a, a more lasting degree or at least as on par as some Republican ones. So I don't know, man. I mean, we, we need some semblance of normalcy. I still, you know, I'd like to be with you on the filibuster. I think they need to get rid of it. I think they need to exert their power while they have it because, look, they got three Supreme Court seats and they worried about the casual. I mean, there are the Republicans paying a price for getting their three picks during the Trump um, administration. They're not. What price are they paying? OK, they lost the House. Well, they well, yeah, they lost the House. They lost the Senate. They lost Georgia. I guess they paid a cost a little bit, but the voters are going to pick them again. I, I'm not seeing them pay a price for what they did when they had power. So what price can the Democrats really, if we get voting rights, if we get the bill back better, and hopefully we'll get uh, 
the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act too? Wouldn't it be worth it? Yeah, but then you know you you'll pay a price later on. Uh, well, I I hear you. I'm just wondering what price have Republicans paid for saying no and continuing to be intransigent with their heels dug in? They don't pay a price, and it's because they're in gerrymandered districts. They don't have to worry about being primaried. No, and, and I hear what you say. I mean, you you talking about the the political part of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just I'm just my my th- deal is is to look how jacked up we are as people. We're jacked up. Where where as politicians, they don't really give a damn about the people. Oh boy, you ain't wrong, bro. And that's 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 the scary part to me. How they keep us arguing like we're Crips and Bloods when both Crips and Bloods are are, are doing well for the Ooh. people. Uh oh, now that's gangsta. It's, and so we get caught up in this 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 red blue stuff. And you know, at the end of the day, neither of them really care about the people. One cares a little bit more, but at the end of the day, neither of them really, all they care about is themselves and their party. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, say it with me now. Jeffrey Keller for president. (laughs) It's for the good of our nation, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Only he can fix it and nobody else can get the job done. I am Jeffrey Keller and I approve this message. <laughs> hey, this is DJ Umami from Oakland, California, and you're listening to Psychotic Bump School with your host DJ Rome on KCWG, thetruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. It's phenomenal. Boy's gonna find us all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's emotional. Room for us to grow. Get along 
to go to church on Sundays. Mama say, do what you can, gotta be a holy man. You could tell that I'm a lawyer man, but the way that I talk and the way that I walk, and I wanna see your pretty face light up like the city in springtime, light up like the crowd when I rhyme, light up like shine, get it. I know you don't like to dance in public, but I love it when you get loose and show your toes, show your toes, get loose and show your foes. Let's show them all. Oh, it's phenomenal. KCWG, thetruth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have uh, long been discussing on this program the impacts of relationships on our communities. In lieu of being in this dominant society that is constantly challenging us to, you know, whether pull apart or stay together, I mean, the, the black community is always vexed to uh, confront the issues of our relationship dynamics. And most recently, there was an article that came out in Time magazine that spoke about the fact that more men now are likely to be single in the United States. And they're calling that a not so good sign. And as you scroll deeper into the article, it talks about the fact that uh, increasingly uh, it's the black community that is the least coupled of all the demographics. And it, it Bears me no joy to share this, ladies and gentlemen, but it says black people are much more likely to be single than any other race at 59% with black women at 62%, the most likely to be single of any sector. Uh, by contrast, Asian people are the least likely to be single. Only 29% of Asian people are single. So what is contributing to that dynamic? And I wanted to have a conversation with that with members of the Mental Health Army and helping me to have this conversation this time. I am proud to welcome these two sisters and they've been here before. So, ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good sisters, Kyra Christian and the good sister, Casey Phillips Brown. Kyra, Casey, are you back? We are back. Yes, 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 yes. yes. What's we are here. going on, y'all? How are y'all doing? Well, here we go again. We are talking about the issues that are plaguing our community. What do y'all make of that story in Time Magazine? Who wants to take a first crack at that? Casey Phyllis Brown, why don't we start with you? Uh, some of us are seeing things like this. We work in this field of mental health and people have questions. I have questions about this. So Casey, what are your thoughts? I think it's extremely interesting. Um, as I read this article, one of the questions I had is I wonder how much um, family input has to do with uh, the Asian uh, percentage numbers compared to the African-American. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, uh, is it our families doing old school? Well, hey, your child, my child, we're going to put them together where I don't mm -hmm. see that uh, 
in the black community. I know, uh, you know, in the 50s or 60s, people probably did a, you know, I want to say better job, but I, I would imagine people were looking, hey, my son, your daughter. I don't see that at all right now. Um, so that's one of the questions I have. Are other yeah. communities involving their family a little bit more? Or is it more mm-hmm. just you're kind of on your own now? Um, I think the yep. other thing um, that I wanted to mention is that from the fam- uh, couples that I see, I do a lot of couples therapy. And I do see them trying to come to therapy before they get married now. I see a okay. lot more of boyfriend, girlfriends mm-hmm. coming into my office to meet. So I don't know if people are doing therapy and trying to get to know each other on a different level earlier and maybe seeing that there's not a connection and deciding or that it's too difficult because a lot of single people are having the same type of problems that married people are having without being married. Mm. Are they, what's the age range of these uh, couples that are coming in at a young age prior to marriage? I would say 30s, 40s. So okay. it's, it's different, it's a little bit later too. Right. But later, the, the average, and I was reading that in an article that people are waiting a lot They're longer waiting, to yeah, get married. Precisely, yeah. precisely. So I'm not surprised by that. So uh, stand by, Casey. Kyra, what are your thoughts on that? Um, My thoughts are that this is a unfavorable outcome of a system that dehumanizes people. And Mm -hmm. so when you when you marginalize and you dehumanize, um, let's say, uh, African-American community and there are drugs in our uh, communities and there are things that are keeping um, our families from being healthy families like these stats are not shocked. They don't shock me Um, when we have men um, and let's you know, just go historically that are used to kind of like buying their way into things. And now you have to use character and substance and, you know, what are you bringing to the table besides the ability to be able to pay for stuff? People have options. And so I think it goes both ways. Mm. I want to turn the audience's attention. Thank you, Kyra. That's that's a uh-huh. fascinating point. Uh, BlackDemographics.com. Uh not to sugarcoat what the uh, Time Magazine article founded, but uh, blackdemographics.com are statistics for black people, for black people, and they are pretty contemporary. Uh, what you're seeing, the audience can't see this, Kyra and Casey, but black marriage in 2017, uh, most of us are married to each other. Uh, mm-hmm. Black men at an 85% clip have a black wife. of black women have a black husband. So we do marry each other. There is a disparity between uh, the genders in terms of who's likely to marry out, but we do tend to marry one another when we do marry. So the question is, um, and in lieu of, you know, a lot of us have gone through some, some rocky times and challenges in our own marriages and relationships. So what can we say about the capacity of other communities to work these dynamics through? Because Casey, as you were speaking, just ironically, before we got together, I did pull up an article about the uh, the Asian relationship dynamics, and you're absolutely right. Uh, I don't know if I'll have a chance to find it real quick, but they talk about Xiao, X-I-A-O. It's a, sort of a cultural, um, adherence that they have in that community to make sure that the children in the family take care of the elders when they age. And so they place a lot of emphasis on the sons and daughters choosing partners through the consent of their parents. So to your point, you were asking whether or not how much family involvement is involved Mm -hmm. in certain communities with that quite heavily. 
Uh, to what degree, if any, in your counseling practice, Casey Phillips Brown, have you seen or sensed that there is a family dynamic structure or infrastructure in place to help in the selection of partners for uh, black men and women to select partners? Casey Phillips Brown, what have you seen around that? I'm not really seeing that. And I'm actually seeing where um, I'm hearing, well, you know, his family never liked me or mm -hmm. her family never really appreciated me. And they still maybe are, hey, we're going to do our own thing and get together. Mm. So they they don't necessarily get the blessing of their elders. They just kind of kind of go on their mm -hmm. own devices. Yeah. 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 So then, so then what happens, right? Or you don't have, there's that family support that's automatically gone. Cause Hey, we told you not to marry her in the first place. So we told you not to marry him. You don't listen. Uh, don't come to us when things are not going well. Right. Um, there's right. a show that I watch on own. Um, was it family or fiance? Have you all checked? Yes. That out? I was going to mention that. No, break that I down. love that show. Break I, it down. I, I think so many People need to go on this show so they have the therapist uh um i'm not sorry she's a relationship expert mm -hmm. and they have a, a, a couple and what they do is they bring three people from each you know each the groom and the bride each bring three people who have some type of say so on their relationship and the people bring their concerns about the marriage and they mm -hmm. stay in this stunning house up here i think it's in uh, malibu or in the canyons or somewhere it's stunning and they for the three days she gives them activities um, to try to help them get to know uh, the bride or groom. So if the mm -hmm. mother has always thought, you know, hey, I don't think you're going to treat my daughter right, they get to have that conversation. Or if the best friend is like, hey, I've seen how you treated my boy, um, what's going on with that? They get to talk. And in that three days, by the time they finish, they, they, the family's asked again, do we have your blessing? Can they go ahead and get married? And then they can decide to move forward or without the family's blessing. And I think it's such a good show because if people took the time to really incorporate the family's judgment and mm -hmm. thoughts on their relationships, I think it would be so much more successful because your family and friends, they know you better than you know yourself sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that's really interesting is they don't always have issues with the other person. Sometimes they've been like, hey, he's my son, but he has anger issues like his dad. And I think he needs mm -hmm. to work on that before he gets into another relationship. So I didn't know you had seen that, Kyra. That's that's my show. Yes. I well, yes. Kyra, you see, Kyra, what are your thoughts on that? I, I'm uh, actually, I totally, so, yeah, go ahead. Well, I totally agree with Casey. Like, it is important that we include our families, not in a way that where we uh, lose autonomy and we don't make our own choices, but where we take into consideration somebody else's lens, right? And mm -hmm. so it's important. And what I got from that show is most of the couples whose families were not okay with it, there was a lot of toxicity within the relationship that it, it wasn't even a path that should have been towards marriage. Um, and the family, they weren't hating. They were actually kind of looking out and saying like, hey, remember when this happened? Remember when this happened? Um, and from that show, what I took from it is to definitely include your family. Um, take a person that you're dating around your family, no matter who and what they are, who or what they look like. You know, let the people that have, um, you know, watch you grow up have a, a look at what your future might look like. And, and there's so much wisdom and checking for the older generations that have been there, done that, and listening to um, just how they moved and how they avoided some of the things, you know, that we can avoid by listening to their wisdom and their kindness. Absolutely. Let's take a look at uh, Lakeisha and Jaquan's situation. This is from uh, family of fiance on the Oprah Network. Check this out, y'all. I'm Lakeisha.
And we're getting married. Would you want to live here, like on a mountain? I mean, yeah, I wouldn't mind living on a mountain if it's, it's a big ass mountain. I'm cool with it. Me and Lakeisha met on a dating app. I messaged her first. <laughs> but it took her two weeks to get back to me. Went on the first date to the movies. He was cheap. He didn't want to pay for popcorn, water, like, you were being cheap. I asked you if you wanted something. You he said no. He was being cheap. My <laughs> mouth was parched. I drank fountain water. And so it began. So it, it's always fun <laughs> at the beginning. It's supposed to be light, it's supposed to be feathery, but I'm sure at some point uh, the conversation gets uh, a lot more nuanced. And so that's an example of the program where they have the family members come together, right? Yeah. And that's a very uh, a small example, uh, you know, a simple yes. example. There's some where there's really generational curses they are breaking on that show. Mm. There's times when they are talking about how because someone didn't get love from their father, how it's been or how the mom didn't get love in her life, she wasn't able to love her son. And then he had a difficult time showing his love to his perspective, you know, fiance. Yeah. So it really goes deep. And I, I really appreciate it. And they do very simple activities. And it, it makes you feel uh, hopeful that, at least for me, as well, I'm watching it, I'm, I'm hoping that more people are watching the show. Absolutely. And so that they get an idea of, hey, let me engage, bring my family around a little bit more. Let me, you know, check and see. I think one of the other issues right now is how are people meeting during a pandemic? Um, right. Especially young people. I know I have, you know, a college age child and just the frustration of everything's online. Like we were already homeschooling and then doing stuff online and now high school and my college days are, you know, mm-hmm. going to be hard to meet people. So I, I, I'm, I'm wondering how much that has to do with things where are people feeling comfortable going out and meeting new people and just engaging right now. Absolutely. So my question is not just in terms of your son, but in terms of people his age across the board, how much optimism do they feel that there are suitable partners out there? Because like the Time Magazine article said, men are becoming increasingly more single. Adults in general are staving off uh, relations relationships and long-term marriages indefinitely. And there's more people deeper into their adult years living with their parents. And so I'm wondering people at your son's age and even people that come into your office, Kyra, are they, what, what are, what is single life like in lieu of what Casey Phillips Brown just said, the pandemic has, you know, brought about a different way to interact and online is the way to go. But, you know, people are texting now, they're getting to DMs and IGing. Do they really know how to have conversations anymore? And how much faith do they have that there are uh, there's somebody out there for them? Is there any hope lost amongst people that you two encounter when they're single and hoping that they'll find somebody? What What's the optimism rate like out there? Anybody can speak to that? Yeah. Low. <laughs> what I'm hearing is low. No or low? Low. L-O-W. Low. L-O-W. Wow. Yeah, it's like, how low can you go? Can you go yes. down low? But <laughs> why, though? Is Wait to the pandemic? Flow. Wait well, to the flow. A, a lot of it. A lot of it. Like, people are, I think men uh, tend to already be a little more, I don't want to say more sensitive, but all you got to do is hurt them one good time and they're already tired, right? Like they, So they already kind of make a sweeping judgment about women often. Can't trust them. They're all about this. They're all about that. So you already had to have that mentality. Then now I can barely see you. I can't get out. I don't know if you all realize that the um, the teen pregnancy rate has dropped. 
that teenagers okay. again people like you just mentioned they're texting people are doing they're not really even meeting up so mm-hmm. if the expectation is low and i think people have gotten used to it, like this is how it's gonna be i'm gonna just be by myself and so that's what they're rolling with that's what i'm seeing with the teenagers i'm working with as well but do they feel like there aren't any good partners out there or are they I hear that yes yeah Okay, it's, Kyra, you hearing that too? Yeah, and especially the teenagers that are in therapy, and even the young adults and a, a older a demographic that are in therapy, they start to see when other people are not healthy, and so it's like, why would I even want to take a couple steps back to link up with somebody that is going through challenges that's not even working on the challenges that are in front of them? Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of these kids, they're woke, woke. They're like, uh, no, Miss Tyra, like, I'll just be cool. I'll just play video games or I'll just like, they're yes. okay with being by themselves uh, because they're, they're not wanting to go through the heartbreak and the interpersonal part um, is lost in translation. COVID has, we got a lot of work to do uh, post COVID. We do. And as service providers, I'm wondering, can we have a conversation about what we think, uh, our role might be in that discussion because we um, are often going to be those sounding boards and it's going to be incumbent upon us to share some, you know, reality. And I, I'm going to go back to this once again. Uh, and I'm, I'm just speaking specifically about our community uh, and the generation. I mean, we, we came out of a generation too, that was sort of uh, hell bent on instant gratification sometimes and not appreciating the the amount of work and commitment and investment and the give and take necessary for a relationship or marriage to work. But blackdemographics.com says that we do marry one another. And so that means that for anybody that's feeling a, a certain amount of pessimism that there's not someone out there for them, though there are more black women than black men, uh, for the most part, black men are choosing sisters. And so and I know we're not just seeing black people in our offices, Kyra and Casey, I realize that, but I'm a little bit hyper-focused on our community for this conversation. What do you think our role is to convey a sense of uh, how to handle rejection, how to not turn and cut and run at the first sign of trouble or disagreement in a relationship? How, what's our role in teaching a relationship stamina or endurance or how to resolve conflict. Uh, how can we have those conversations? Casey, Kyra, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm really big on being accurate and being factual and truthful mm-hmm. in the work that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to uh, bring it all back to the client of what's real. And so we're going to explore them, right? Um, and how they're seeing themselves and how they're engaging and and what why did this hurt you so much, right? Where did this come from to try to heal some of those wounds? So that's one of the things that I do to keep people from, okay, one shot, that's it, then never again, right? So mm-hmm. trying to really help them see the patterns that have been created in their family and also if they've picked up those patterns and how to get some of that, to get the cycle to stop. Mm. That's, what I, well, that's what I do, really the focus cycles. on- Yes, the cycles. Oh, those patterns are pretty hard to break sometimes, right? So how do you break them? Again, really trying to explore what, oh, okay, okay. I have um, lists. I have people really break it down. What are some of the patterns you've seen in your family? Okay. Where do you think they started from? Yeah, so it's really looking at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was going to say, yes, Casey, big, big deal. Origin is always a big deal. And I like to ask my clients, like, when is the very first time you felt that? 
And it's so funny because they look at me like, what? But then they're like, oh, well, when I was five. And then it's like, yeah. So now you are 25. So that means for tw- mm-hmm. for this 20 years, you've been carrying this with you. It's been on your back. So now we need to make some agreements. Can this go with you? Can this continue to be a part of your life? Is it helping you? Does it serve you? And those are the questions that I'm asking. And that's how you break these generational curses. You make them aware. And then you ask them to ask themselves in a situation, does this serve me? Does it serve me to feel like everybody's going to hurt me? Because if I'm saying everybody's going to hurt me, am I moving with energy where I'm manifesting people hurting me? Am I hurting other people before they get a chance to hurt me? Am I moving with that energy? And Mm -hmm. so I I like to keep it a hundred percent. And like Casey was saying, like use the facts, but I'm also using um, Don Miguel Ruiz. I think the four agreements. Have you guys Mm, read that book? I'm not hip. No. Okay. And so the four agreements, this guy is really cool and how he really helps you navigate life in a way that, is authentic is teaching these four agreements that you have with yourself. The first one is be impeccable with your words. And so don't say things that you don't mean, right? And so we're in these partnerships and you want something, identify what it is that you want. And that's gonna take time with you knowing yourself. So if you tell your partner, I don't like cheese, well, why not say, can we go get pizza or can we go get, you know, it's say what you want instead of what you don't want, what you're used to, what your ex-partner did that you didn't like. Tell this person the things that you do like. And this is kind of what um Dom um sorry, Dom, Dom Miguel, Miguel. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. So he's saying be impeccable with your words. Don't take anything personally. And that's I know I teach my clients like, so you're taking their trigger personally. Why? If we have established that 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 person's trigger, then why not give them a chance to process and you go separate and do you to avoid trying to force somebody to talk to you when they're mad? Mm. Nobody wants to do that. And it says, don't make assumptions. Don't Mm. make assumptions. We're always trying to put some two and two and one and one is two. And we always trying to like blues clues something when it comes to relationships. Sometimes you don't know because you're not in that person's mind. And then always do your best. And so that's what I kind of teach um, okay. when I have couples that come in and individuals because it's more of an empowerment because it takes power out of what you allow somebody else's allow somebody else to control over you. So Absolutely. it's teaching you to take the power back for yourself and really work on your own things so people aren't triggering you okay. or their triggers aren't triggering you. Right. Casey, you wanted yeah. to jump back in on that? Well, yeah, I, 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 something just came into my mind as, as uh, Kyra was talking. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's also important to really keep it real. Um, as somebody who yes. has recently, as of uh, a couple of weeks ago, been married uh, a week or two ago, been married 25 years. Marriage is hard. Yes. Marriage is difficult. It is not a, just a skip in the park, right? And I think Amen. people are realizing that yes. and saying, is it worth it? I think before it was you get married. You get married, you get married. That's what you do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think people are seeing how much work and effort it takes to put into it. Mm-hmm. And is it giving you the benefit that it gave you back in, 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 the, in the 60s, 70s, or 80s? Do you still have that benefit? And can I find that without getting married? And I think that's the one. I think that's something that's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that just popped in my head because um, I, I do a lot of couples counseling and I do a, something very similar with them. 
because I can hear everybody having the same arguments, right? Right, <laughs> right. The same disagreements. And I'm sitting here going, woo, that's everybody, right? So Absolutely. one of the things I try to do is it's going to be hard no matter what. What you yeah. have to do is to figure out how to ride out the waves when the hard times happen. So I give some basic things that I try to get my couples to do. You have one night a week that's just pure intimacy night. No kids, nobody else, just the two of you. What you're doing is she writing in the, in the putting it on a piece of paper, putting it in the jar. I want to, I want to be intimate here on this day doing this. He writing something, you guys pick out that jar and make it fun, make it exciting, find new places to enjoy each other, right? Mm-hmm. One night a week, you're going to just have fun. Again, nobody else. I have one couple, they said for them to be, their fun night is going to a bar, drinking beer and eating pizza. And they, and that's what they do. So one night a week doing something fun. A third night, one night a week having a, just a, hey, let me check in with you day. I, this, I was right. gonna be honest. I felt a little bit like this when you said that, or did you mean this when you said that the other day? Cause I, I felt a little something instead of letting things fester and, you know, explode, really being proactive about talking. And then lastly, once a month, having a financial meeting. Hey, what's your goals? What's my goals? Are we on the same page? Mm -hmm. And I really try to focus on something old school, which is old, old is old, but I statements. It's the way messages are being given out. You can say the same thing, but if you say it in a way that I think is stank or has a a little bit of on it, I'm not Mm going to respond. So I, I teach these basic skills to couples and I find it so hard for them to do it because they get wrapped up in... The, the, the bad times or stuff happens oh, yeah. and so yeah right it's so hard to just focus on trying to create the good times so I, I don't know why it just popped in my head as Kyra was talking I was just like you know it's just plain hard and maybe people are realizing and like you said these people are woke woke now right Kyra yeah. that maybe I don't have to put myself through the rigmarole of getting being tied to someone for a certain amount of years just to prove it to my family or to my community so I said, yeah, it's hard, dog. It, it's hard. Maybe that's it is hard. Thinking. It is hard. I'm glad you took it there because I was thinking about going there anyway. Because I was thinking transparency, accountability, and marriage and relationships, and the importance of that, and, and being able to teach uh, the the reciprocity needed and the reciprocity necessary for good communication it has to be thorough. It can be very, very, and it's certainly easier said than done. Uh, I got a little static on my end. I hope y'all can hear me. But this is KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. We're talking to the incomparable Kyra Christian and the amazing Casey Phillips Brown. Casey Phillips Brown is a licensed clinical social worker in Southern California. And our good sister Kyra Christian is a marriage and family therapist up in the beautiful Northern California. Well, we are just scratching the surface, y'all. Uh, we're going to have to definitely come back and continue this conversation because there's so many more avenues that I want to go down. We got so many content creators out there right now, Kyra and Casey. I'm sure you guys have heard of them. The uh, the roommates, the, the Kevin Samuels, mm-hmm. all these people that are talking about these issues. And all of it centers around the fact that we in the black community are struggling more so than any other demographic in this country to find each other and stay together. It's not so much that we have trouble finding each other. It's like keeping it together and working on those things that Casey was just talking about and how to keep it together so that we strengthen and continue to build on the legacies within our own communities. So I want to continue to talk about that. Uh, I got to keep it short and go to the next panel. But Casey and Kyra, will you come back and so we can continue these conversations in the near future? Of course. Okay. Definitely, definitely. We, we, we definitely need this. And uh, thank you for dropping the jewels that you did. Okay, y'all, stay tuned for more. We'll be right back after this. I am, I am Superman. 
Okay, we are back kcwg the truth.com's program is called psychotic bum school i'm dj rome and ladies and gentlemen if you hear the smile in my voice it's always because a special guest is here this good brother y'all know this good brother man come on man this good brother's been here multiple times he's an amazing award-winning comic book content creator uh we just had him on not too long ago with uh his great uh illustrator the good brother mr uh, damar douglas i believe and uh mm-hmm. he's back to help us talk a little bit about what's happening in the world of comics and the world of dc in particular you know we spent a lot of time talking about marvel but there are some things happening in the world of comics in general and dc comics in particular so ladies and gentlemen please help me welcome back to psychotic bomb school our good brother mr hannibal taboo mr taboo are you there yes sir i'm with you thank you for having me oh man it's always a pleasure well i've been seeing some things in the news mr taboo and i see a lot of continuity a word i learned from you coming out of the world of the DC universe, uh, particularly on the big screen. I recently saw the the clip of the Black Adam played by uh, mm-hmm. oh my God, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Yes, sir. Kind of interesting, because I, I mean, I'm not even familiar with that story. And I, I'm learning that there is a connection there between he and Shazam. I'm like, what in the world? I'm, I'm so lost. But making headlines, though, Mr. Tabu. Yeah, yeah it's a big weekend. They're having a big weekend. Man. <laughs> Uh, we could talk about that too, but the, the one that stood out for me, of course, was uh, the son of Lois and Clark. Uh, Clark being Clark Kent, of course, Superman, the son, the grandson of jo- uh, Joel or Carlel. Is that, that's, oh my God. Joel is uh, Kalel's dad. Kalel is Clark. Okay, so their son. Lois and Clark had a son, and uh, he's being introduced into comic world in this rendition of Superman's son as having a same sex love interest. And as a comic book creator, someone who's grown up on comics, Mr. Taboo, as a dad, as a creative, like I said, award-winning comic book creator in your own right, good brother, what are your thoughts on this latest iteration of the Superman saga? Mr. Taboo, what can you tell us? And they introduced Jonathan Kent, I don't know, about 12 years ago? And then about three or four years ago, Jonathan Kent uh, was taken by his resurrected grandfather, which was a terrible storyline, in the space and then uh, aged him up by like about five or six years. Then he went to live in the 31st century for about like a year and a half. And I mean, if things are different for us, uh, as uh, more different for us as they were in the 11th century, imagine how interesting things will get in another thousand years. So, yeah. you know, uh, he had, this is a person who's experienced, a character who's experienced things beyond the consideration of most people. And he already came from an advanced world uh, that had a drastically different and drastically more advanced way of looking at things. So 
uh, coming back to regular old boring earth and having some different ideas about who he may love is completely unimportant. It's, it's, a, it's mm -hmm. literally a non-story and the, the, the furor and the hubbub over it it, especially when I see a lot of it that's so wildly misinformed. Like, no, you can't do this, you Superman, because you, I'm like, well, first of all, first of all, slow down, slow down. <laughs> Pump the brakes. <laughs> first of all, have you read a book? Because if you've read a book in the last, I don't know, 10 years, you would know that Jonathan Kent is a whole other dude and some awesome whole other stuff than his father, as exhibited in literally dozens and dozens of comic books. Wow. So, yeah, for me, this is... Uh, I'm, for me, this is a on the, on the weekend when they announced that the sister Stephanie Williams is going to be writing the crossover, uh, 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 the Amazon crossover with Wonder Woman, uh, a sister who came out of Twitter uh, mm -hmm. and and is writing amazing work. That's a non-story. Super, Superman sexual anybody's sexuality is a non-story to me. It does not matter. Yeah. So why does it matter then? I mean, because I I know what you're saying, but and and it's important that you make the point that you do because people immediately gravitate toward. You guys are destroying our long-held ideals about who these people are, Superman, Batman, but it's not those characters. And people, like you said, if they would read deeper, they would see that they're not talking about uh, Clark Kent. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're not talking about who, what's Batman's real name? Bruce uh, Robin's. Yeah, okay, and what, what's Robin's real name? Because he, he's- Which Robin? Because there are five of them. See, th thank you. Seven thank of them. You. Thank you. So. It's not. I hear what you're saying, but why? You you know people they they get charged by this stuff, Mr. Taboo, and try as we might to downplay and stay out of people's personal lives. I mean, and again, they said, okay, here's Hollywood doing what Hollywood does again. This ain't even Hollywood. Nope. This is. Kind of, I mean, come on, man. How do we have conversations about it without having conversations about it? <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of people, and I'm not going to try to specify their level of education or other issues going on there. No, go ahead, now, man. It, it, they, it might, it might factor people, in. <laughs> a lot of people have, have said the same thing online. It's like, you, uh, uh, I have a right to say what happens in these stories, and they are incorrect. In the same way that I can't come to your house, Rome, and tell you what, to, what color to paint your car or what kind of what rims to put. I'm like, you don't have no spinners. You need to have some spinners on you. I believe in your car and therefore I should have a right to tell you should put spinners on your car. No, I don't. I don't own your car. And these people wow. don't own anything. Mm -hmm. Their mm -hmm. overwhelming sense of personal entitlement over uh -oh. something that they have emotionally invested themselves in without anybody asking them to. Oh boy creates this feeling that they have a say, that they can vote. They do have a vote. They can vote with their dollars or they can shut up because mm. literally nothing else they say matters. Wow. Literally nothing else they do in the same way that I can't come and tell you to put spinners on your car. Because right. you may not want spinners on your car. Why would you want that kind of attention? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I so, mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's the, the, the first part. And second, and this is really, really a, a annoying element of our misinformation age, mm -hmm. is that a lot of people latch on to a grievance and use it as a means to strike out at, at uh, uh, other parties, to own the libs, as they say, or yes. to, uh, uh, there's certain, unfortunately, there's certain people who claim the teachings of Christ without actually following the actual words in the text, who have a lot to say about it based upon trying to score points for their own political or social or religious rationales. Right. All of these perspectives 
are drastically and rhetorically wrong. They don't have a rhetorical leg to stand on. They would be laughed out of any high school debate club in the entire country. Yes. They're embarrassing. And to see them repeated in the press is an embarrassment to the fourth estate. That's not the responsibility of journalism. Oh, boy. Okay. So what significance, if any, then does it hold? Because I'll use an example for you, Hannibal. When a few years ago, when the latest series of Star Wars movies came out and I saw the mm -hmm. trailer and uh, I see the stormtrooper and I see and I, I think they're the, the stormtrooper. They're, they're the guys in white, right? Yep. Okay. So and then the mask comes off and it's a black man. And, you know, later I came to find out that's the great John Boyega. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, you know, as a kid going back, it's like as I was watching the, the Death Star blow up when I was a child in Star Wars, I don't recall having the thought, man, I wish I, there was a black man uh, in Luke Skywalker's role or in a more prominent role. I didn't know that it was an issue. And then I saw the backlash when that reveal of that trailer came out. You know, I went from DC Comics to Star Wars, Hannibal, but indulge me. Sure. We, we didn't ask who, who was asking for this. Number one is the question, because you said if, if it's nobody's business and we shouldn't focus so much attention on it, uh, yet we do. Uh, the fact that it's been so, uh, for the lack of a better term, coyly slipped into the storyline. I mean, it hasn't been a secret because I think the Harley Quinn series have had some same sex. Um, long, long time. Right. And so people feel that this is sort of a mission creep, that they're slowly injecting, for the lack of a better term, uh, th this sense of normalizing or more mirroring society through the world of comics. And again, they're, they're taking things at face value that they're perhaps seeing on Twitter without reading deeper into the storyline. So I guess what I'm saying is, uh, to your best estimation, is this something that the, uh, the LGBT community was demanding more representation in comics? Or is it just a byproduct of a, just a natural progression of where society is right now? And nobody's necessarily asking for it, but it's a reflection of where, we're, where we are right now and where we're possibly going. That was a loaded question, Mr. Tannable, uh, Hannibal. And uh, I, will, I, will, I will take it because it, it, it exposed the number of, of, of unfortunately logical fallacies that people are putting out. Yeah. And I'll start with the Star Wars part of it. Okay. Um, despite the fact that I was a kid from a podunk town who was bored out of my mind and desperate to get away from there and could relate to the issues of Luke Skywalker, mm. the gasp that I let out when Lando Calrissian walked out on that thing True. as the Baron Administrator of Cloud City. Huh. He was a noble. He owned stuff. He ran stuff. And uh -oh. more importantly for me as a brother from Memphis, he had a cape. <laughs> he was killing the freaking game. Yes, sir. Off the top. Yes. So immediately, I loved Star Wars before that. Absolutely. Okay. But yes. my relationship to it changed. I was like, oh, my God, we made it. Mm. We're, we're there, too. Okay. So the, with the question, is the LGBT community asking for representation? Of course they are. The Samoan yes. community is asking for representation. True. The uh, uh, Eritrean community is asking for representation. Yes. As they should. Yes. Because it is more than fair to want to see yourself in entertainment. Absolutely. However, if you find that you don't, if you find that you're not seeing it, there's a company called Etan Comics out of uh, Ethiopia that's doing really, really remarkable work. And he said, I'm not seeing Ethiopians in books. Oh, wait, I can do something about that. And he did. 
Mm. In the same way that I was like, I'm not seeing brothers from Memphis flying up in the air and being heroes. Oh, wait, I can do something about that. And I did. Project Wildfire will be in comic book stores November 24th. Say that. So for a company to then say, all right, we got all this. We got all this, you know, making money off of of, uh, angry white dudes money sold up. We need to get some more people's money. Who do, mm-hmm. Whose money do we not have? Oh, wait, I know. Let's get Stephanie Williams in here. The first Black woman we've had on the series probably in five or six years, and only the fourth that we've ever had on the series in our entire history as a company. Mm. Let's get her in here on Wonder Woman and have her already get the pre-orders hyped up. Let's get that going on. Oh, mm. wait, let's see. the the This other community, because... As a company, the company doesn't have politics. The company has business. The company's interested mm-hmm. in money. Mm-hmm. So if they're saying, whose money do we not have and how right. can we get it? Because what's funny to me is that everybody's hyped up about, oh no, what about this, you know, bisexual? Because first of all, he's bisexual. He's not even gay. Let's let's keep it the, the, the thing, right? Okay, yes. But second of all, we're not focusing on the entirely, completely gay Aquaman story that came out. Yes. The Black Manta, who's Aquaman, who has yeah. hydrokinetic powers, who's been on television for years in Young mm. Justice. Nobody's mm. got nothing to say about that. That proves that it's not an issue. That proves mm-hmm. that people are picking a fight specifically for the purposes of picking a fight. And doing so mm. is beginning the argument in, in bad faith. Yes. If anything any spiritual person should do, never do anything in bad faith. Oh boy. So true. So. I'm glad you made the distinction between business and politics because people tend to focus on the politics of it when a company is within their very right to expand their business model, right? To appeal to a demographic or a a financial uh, community that may not up to this point be as receptive to their particular uh, content. Uh, By the way, ladies and gentlemen, Hannibal just eloquently gave a shout out to the Eritrean community. And of course, I knew nothing about that community until the late great Nipsey Hussle did what he did in Southern California. So shouts out to the uh, Eritrean community as well as the Ethiopian community. But you're absolutely right. So in the wake of this, Hannibal, um, we're seeing people come. How can I say it? They're being forced to deal with some hypocrisies. You know, they're they're being forced to confront their very. And again, I mean, you know, just having this conversation runs the risk of being on that slippery slope that we're making a big deal out of something that is uh, literally uh, an anthill, not a molehill, you know, or you you know that argument, right? So so what what is the context then? I mean, do we even know the 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 quality of the storytelling? I mean, nobody's really talking about the storyline. Is is there a larger issue that they're dealing with? Because when you talk about younger and younger iterations of these iconic uh, comic book uh, uh, characters, now we're dealing in modern day. Now we're dealing with social justice. Now we're dealing with climate change. I mean, how many of these characters, despite all the focus on this, are dealing with issues that impact the larger society and world as a whole well in my mind not enough by a humongous uh, uh, margin but um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll i'll stay specific to this specific instance jonathan kent um he you know was born gets his powers becomes uh, uh as a small child his powers start to emerge in the same way as his father mm-hmm. and uh, you know puts on a little costume does a little heroing starts to learn from his dad and then out of nowhere, and here's where the story, I really don't 
back this part of it, but it happened, so I can't argue with it. Mm -hmm. um, his grandfather comes from uh, uh, back from the dead and wants to take him off into space with him uh, to teach him the ways of Krypton. And for some reason, people think this is a good idea. Mm. And he goes off and he sees horrors and he fights monsters and he deals with, he, he experiences things that a normal 12 year old would not be able to really see or experience. And mm. it changes him out there. He sees that there's a larger universe. He comes back from there and now he's magically changed into a teenager, 14 or 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And his next trip is to go to the future, to spend more than a year in the 31st century in a time past all of the things of borders and regular wars where it's not, you know, the Middle East crisis, it's the middle Milky Way crisis. You know, people uh, have a, a whole other, a whole other scale of things going on there. Right. And he sees these communities. He sees a diverse group in the Legion of Superheroes working together, people of different sizes and genders and species and, 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 and orientations, all these things. And he looks at it and starts to wonder about his own life. He mm. comes back and he goes to college and he meets people who are very emotionally engaged in things. And he says, huh, maybe I need to be more, dad, why don't we do more about this? Mm. Why don't we do more? About and he starts to question as all teenagers do. That's as right. my teenager has questioned me as they should. Right. And then he starts to act on those things mm. with the same fervor and sometimes mistakes of any teenager. Right. As he should. That's right. In a totally logical, relatable, plausible way of doing things. Mm. So is that a story that deals with larger things happening in society in the same way that Stan Lee in 1967 said, and I quote, bigotry and racism are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today, but unlike a team of costume supervillains, they can't be halted with a punch in the snoot or a zap from a ray gun. Well. He starts to figure other things out. Right. All of this has happened before and all of this will happen again. Mm. So when you look at all these things going on this way, uh, does that mean that this story has some agenda or overwhelming? No, not necessarily. No more than Stan did because Stan was not a political person. Stan was a business person. Right. Stan was like, Stan, Stan was very, very business person. But he said, uh, to, and I quote again, because I have this on the screen. If okay. his hang up is black men, he hates all black men. If a redhead once offended him, he hates all redheads. If some foreigner beat him to a job, he's down on all foreigners. He hates people he's never seen, people he's never known with equal intensity, with equal venom. Stan was saying that not because it was necessarily important for him to put his politics out there, but because it was important for his company to be on the right side of history, because yes. that's where the money is. That's right. where the money resides, where the money resides. Mm. And as we see decades later with their multi-billion dollar film franchise, he was right. Absolutely. And Every conservative in history has been on the wrong side of history. <laughs> Every conservative in history has been trying to pull us back from the eventual advances that saved us, that gave us penicillin, that gave us yes. Wi-Fi, that gave yes. us everything yes. that we freaking yes. need. Come on, come on. So all of these people say, no, no, no. What about back when it was, live in the future, don't live in the past. It didn't Stevie yes. Wonder say that? He did. Come on. He did. That's why he's got InterVision and that's why he's moving to Africa. This is KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Brome. We're talking to our good brother, Mr. Hannibal Taboo, comic book creator, award-winning comic book creator. Uh, we're just breaking down uh, the business and the politics of modern comics uh, in lieu of the announcement of the son of Lois and Clark, AKA Superman and Lois Lane. 
their son coming out as a gay character in this iteration of Superman. Uh, thank you for breaking that down, good brother, because as many people or some that gave out that collective sigh and gasp when John Boyega was uh, identified in the Star Wars, it's like it's fair to say that that business model, uh, that hunch was uh, correct. It went on to make a ton of money and it proved once again that, you know, people really don't care, you know, and the fact that you're right. I mean, I love the way you broke down the journey of the grandfather coming back and taking John on this incredible, illustrious journey. And I say incredible to not downplay the severity of it, what that might do to the mind of a child in, in, mm -hmm. in expanding and touching a mind like that, that is so impressionable. It's no telling what can become of it. But in essence, I, I think the essence of what you were saying is that this generation naturally is curious, naturally questions uh, the adults that are raising them and challenges them to to, you know, question their own uh, deeply held convictions on certain things. Is it fair to say uh, just in terms of putting putting the social aspect aside, just his powers alone, having gone on that journey? I don't know what that Kryptonian exposure did to him, but in some ways, is John Kent more powerful than his father, Superman? Do they have the same exact abilities or do in some ways John's abilities exceeds his father's? John's abilities are comparable to his father because he's half human. He does not have uh, the entire, um, it, he's slightly less durable. He's slightly less strong, but not in a way that like, say for instance, you know, uh, uh, a Camry V6 is slightly more powerful than a Camry V4, but will you really notice the difference if you're driving okay. it 90% of the time? No. Okay. So um, in, in that sense, no. What John has is an advantage that his father did not have is that John is surrounded by a community of people that he can learn from. He is surrounded by the experience of his father. He, he at already as a teenager, he is a more experienced and better learned hero than his father was at the same age because his father had no examples to father. That's right. I'm sorry, to follow rather. Mm -hmm. His father only had to figure out things for himself and rely on the crystals from Krypton, which those people had never been to Earth. They, don't, they didn't really know how the powers were gonna exactly work. Mm. John know John can watch very close. He can watch his uh, 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 second cousin Kara. He can watch his dog Crypto. He can watch his father. <laughs> he can see all these things and say, "Oh, that's how this works." Oh, snap. and if he's curious about, well, what if I want to find out some information? Oh, right, my best friend's dad is the world's greatest detective. I can mm -hmm. just go shadow him for a day because I can literally wow. follow him, and he wouldn't see me because I've got telegraph, tele uh, what is it? telescopic vision. Hey, dude, you I said Crypto. But dude, you said crypto. Is there an origin story on the dog crypto, dude? If there is, I don't know nothing about it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> is uh, it? Everybody for everybody in the book uh, that has Kryptonian powers are Kryptonians who came here. Crypto was a dog, a regular <laughs> old dog on Krypton. And, you know, through comic book shenanigans, uh -huh. he on Earth and was adopted by Superman. And he's oh got heat God. vision and he's super strong and he's super fast and he's super loyal. Oh, he's snap. Really, really touchy about it. <laughs> like, he's like, how dare you touch my master? I'm going to heat vision the heck out of you. Hey, hey and I'm an atomic dog, too. What, is, do they break? Uh, he's not a German shepherd. He's not a poodle. Do they tell what kind of dog crypto would be if he were an earthling kind of dog? Well, he looks like, um, oh, I don't know, dog breeds. So I, I, you're stepping outside of my wheelhouse. He's an all white dog with like, all white. like a, he's got one or two black patches on it. So he's not like a Dalmatian. So he's, they have patch uh, spots all over them. Right. But, you know, he's he's a dog. I he's mean, a dog. I don't, I don't dog. <laughs> yeah, he's like a medium-sized, small terrier, something. It's like he's he's definitely not 
uh, the 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 pit bull variety he would look oh. pretty unassuming if you were just to see him down the street you'd be like oh what a friendly little dog and then like you said that heat ray vision come out hey you don't want to mess with crypto exactly. man hey well here's one i'm gonna I'm really mess with you now uh who's more powerful crypto or underdog crypto is more powerful than underdog is he by a lot come on man you're not underestimating underdog man come on sweet polly Really? I appreciate underdog, but crypt- Here, here's, here's the thing that people don't understand about Kryptonian class heroes. And I say this about uh, Superman, oh about God. Icon, about lots of, and if you ever saw the Invincible series on Amazon, this showed it. A mm. Kryptonian class hero can crack a planet open. Oh, snap. They can fly through a planet and crack it open like an egg if they feel like it. What? They're a weapon of mass destruction. Ooh. And forgetting that, is normally like you know because oh we're friendly and oh we're heroes and oh we hold mm-hmm. our punches back and yada yada, yada. but they don't have to mm. wow i well <clears throat> underdog can't do that no no i mean they, they they call them underdog for a reason i'm not even going to bring dino mutton to this conversation because i'm just going to embarrass myself further but uh this good brother is uh mr hannibal taboo he's uh the founder of project wildfire good brother uh i can't thank you enough for being here you always drop the light it's always fun uh but what in the world is happening lately in the world of project wildfire good brother what can you tell us about the latest I do have to be fair. The, the creator of Project Wildfire is my good artistic collaborator, Quinn McGowan. I'm the writer and I've, I've helped the project along a lot. But um, Project That's Wildfire right. is the story of a college sophomore. He's an architecture sophomore, sophomore at the Black College in the equivalent of Memphis in his world. And mm-hmm. he's broke and he's trying to make tuition and pay for bills and stuff. So he finds one of those flyers on campus where it's like, oh, get paid for a medical experience, uh, experiment. Sure, whatever. He takes mm-hmm. it, he goes in. They stick him with something. Uh, they stick him and 19 other people with something and he gets paid for it. 19 other people die. He's in a coma for months and he wakes up and he's got superpowers. And as he does, monster, regular people are, are emerging on the streets of Memphis and turning into giant monsters. Mm. Or Shelby City in the book, because we changed it to Shelby City for reasons. But, mm-hmm. um, and he's the only one with the power to stop these monsters before they destroy the city. And that's basically the story of it. It starts... Uh, issue one will be in comic book stores November 24th from Second Sight Publishing, which is a publisher out of Mississippi. We're all Southerners, all Black people, all working very hard to make very professional grade work. And mm. uh, yeah, I'm really hoping people enjoy it. Man, that's going to be a joy, man. Uh, in California, it's going to be available out here too, right? It'll be available in comic book stores all around the world. All around the world. Okay, well, that's Hannibal Taboo, y'all. Project Wildfire coming out in November. Hannibal, it's always a joy to have you here, man. You know you're welcome here anytime, and thank you for always being available. Uh, like I said, man, always educational, always enlightening, always a pleasure. Come back and join us again sometime, will you? I will, but before we go, like I said, could we? I really want people to know that there was so much more that happened this weekend, given yeah. what Milestone Comics is doing, the Black Adam thing, yeah, given, man. Uh, uh, Aldous Hodge's Hawkman, yes. you know, Stephanie Williams' uh, uh, her Trial of the Amazons book. There's so much other DC stuff that came out out of DC wow. fandom that is much more interesting and drastically more important than this conversation that for some reason will not die. I know. I know. Well, thank you for reminding us of that. I did see the clip with uh, um, Idris in it playing Hawkman. I'm like, wait a minute. That's not how I remember Hawkman <laughs> coming up. 
And that that's that's fascinating. But I was not aware of Stephanie Williams. So thank you for bringing that to our attention. Uh, Black Adam looks like it's going to definitely be a, a, a spectacle of entertainment. And mm-hmm. uh, Woman season three, like three, yeah. three black leads, two black costume heroes. In the oh, same man, show. man, we're not done. Y'all Hannibal's still dropping the jewels. Come on, man. Come <laughs> on. Saying, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Okay, well, see, that's why I, I need to have you back. So thank you, man. Uh, let, let, let's continue this conversation. Well, that's our show, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome. And you know we're here every Monday evening from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time, as well as on Friday evenings from 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific time. Check back with us. We shall return next week. Also want to thank our very special guests for the evening, Casey Phillips-Brown, Kyra Christian, Jeffrey Keller, and the good brother, Mr. Hannibal Taboo. Also want to send a very special shout out to Mr. Frank Starks, who is the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Take care.